Welcome back to the Big Red Hunters podcast. We want to start out by saying thank you to our sponsors, Big Farig Coolers. They offer coolers, cattle coolers that hold medication and vaccinations, tumblers, growlers, and dry boxes. The coolest thing about Big Farig is you can customize it, customize it all with whatever you want. Uh, check them out at bigfarig.com, and uh, if you have any questions, email at info at bigfarig. Our next one is Glory Visuals. They specialize in wedding and commercial films. So they do videography and it's incredible. Y'all should go check them out on social media. You also can check them out on glorivisuals.com. Next up, other guys outfitters. They specialize in dry field and Canada goose hunts. Uh, they run from November through February, and they've done an awesome video of Dive Bomb Industry, so you check it out. If you want to book a hunt, uh, call Crager at 308-637-7777, or check the other guys' outfitters on Facebook and Instagram. Next up is Faithful Images. Ooh. This is our personal photography business. Um, you can check us out on Instagram or Facebook at Faithful Images Nebraska, or our website, our website, faithfulimages.org. Next up, uh, Redbeard's Custom Calls. He runs the Timber Rattler or the Cut Down Duck Call and Crossing Guard Goose Call. Awesome calls, awesome quality. This guy's no, he knows what he's doing. So give uh, Andrew a call at 712-898-6989 and uh, let him know we sent you because he'll give you 10% off. Yeah, buddy. All right, next one is Chaku Peru, owned by Angelo. He specializes in big game and waterfowl hunts in the U.S., Mexico, South America, Europe, and Australia. So you can check him out at chakupru.com or contact him at 469-999-4043. Last one up and a new sponsor to the podcast, Whitetail Taxidermy in Louisville, Nebraska. Owned by Jody Schultz. Uh, you might know him as Pappy from our YouTube. Awesome guy, and he's an award-winning taxidermist. So give him a call at... 402-630-0031. With that being said, those are our BRH podcast sponsors. We appreciate each and every one of them, and let's jump into the episode. Three, two, one. Welcome back to the Bigger Hunters podcast. Today I have Jeremy with me again. What's up, guys? Hey, uh, as you guys probably have seen already, uh, Jeremy's been a part of a few podcasts now, so don't be surprised if he continues to be. He seems to like it, so. It's highlight of some of my days. <laughs> <laughs> with work and especially the summertime work, it can become a blur. But uh, time to kind of move on. Uh, today we're going to be talking about preseason pre scouting. Uh, this is something that can help you with your work time blur during the summer. Uh, help you get ahead of, in a lot of ways, get ahead of the uh, competition. The more you do ahead of time, the more investment you make ahead of time. Uh, being able to know what's, what's where and what you think is going to you know, be helpful in the future can really make a difference throughout your season. So... I'm going to kick this off. Uh, we're probably going to do it in two sections of uh, public land hunting, a lot of marshes, and then we're going to do 
private land hunting. I'm going to gear this more towards uh, goose hunting. So uh, to kind of kick it off, how, how's things been going, and have you done any preseason scouting yet? Oh, I've been doing some onyx scouting in particular, not with duck hunting, but deer hunting. We've been starting yep. to talk about our falls, uh, fall trips and uh, even the elk tag that I got. I've started doing some stuff with that. Um, Waterfowl-wise, though, we're not quite there. I usually don't start doing some hardcore waterfowl scouting until about July, honestly. Yeah. it It's it's one of those things. I will probably... Eh. It's not really as much scouting. I'll probably be out there for training and all. I like to go out mm-hmm. to marshes just to have her go out and get some exercise. She just gets all wound up, especially this part of the season when she's stuck at home or in the, you yeah. know, on the air. Right now she's eating a bone, if you hear it. That's the crunching, munching she's got going on. But she <laughs> she's bored and chewing on a bone. So I liked on the weekends to get up early and kind of get her in the back of the groove. Um I mean, another podcast, but I, yeah. the big thing, f- what I'm working on with her is trying to get break training done. Um, early season, she struggled, but as the season kind of went on, she did really well. I didn't really take her goose hunting as much or Canada goose hunting as much as I'd like to. Um, but the, I think not the first hunt, but the second hunt is when she finally got to chase down her first Canada goose. And like, it was perfect. We got up shot knock geese out she didn't move until i told her to go and i'm like yes (laughs) (laughs) but (laughs) i i I want her to get to that place all the time just because well it's a safety you know safety issue and i don't i i don't want to have the pain of losing a dog and i don't want somebody else on their conscience so the the more training i can do up front this year i think is gonna be super helpful but all right, let's get into uh, preseason scouting. What uh, what would you do to start preseason scouting and preseason, you know, preparing for scouting? Oh, the first thing that I that as I've been thinking about this all day that comes to my mind. I mean, this time of year can be really, really difficult um, finding the water, yeah. uh, especially in Nebraska. We're we're experiencing a little bit of a drought right now. And I know that north of us is pretty, yeah. Uh, you know, the, pretty dry this year. The last podcast we did, we were talking about duck limits, and I was, you know, <laughs> figured I'd get some pushback. Got a little bit, but you know what? I look at the drought, and well, you you might have gotten pushback, but I've been <laughs> thinking about it since, and I gotta say, I know I, I might agree with him a little bit like, here. <laughs> Plus, the thing is, uh, there's two options here. I mean, you're gonna have a a lower lower rate of the amount of ducks that end up getting produced. The other thing, too, is you tend to see this, and I think they've seen this a little bit in the Pacific flyways. If you have droughts in certain areas, they end up going east or west to find water or north, I guess. So I would say, I mean, if you think about some of your ducks end up going over to Minnesota or going west, I mean, then you get some ducks end up going to different flyways. So... That just ends up being with a lower population in the central flyway. Mm. But I I would I'd be a proponent of that, but I'm I'm not the one that makes that decision. Yeah. <laughs> but um looking at marshes, I think the biggest one I would be looking at once we're kind of jumping into public marshes, I my big thing is looking for water. 
A lot of our marshes, when it gets dry like this, they have to pump them. Um, so that case, it makes it difficult to find water. I think if the way, and I said this early on, I have a feeling that we're going to have lower, lower wall water amounts in the fall like we did last year. I think I think it's going to be pretty bad again this year. Potentially every, even worse. Everything that's kind of gearing up is we had a, a wet spring. Great. I, I think farmers are super happy about mm. that. But we got warm, and we got warm fast. We got warm fast, and we haven't seen any rain in a week, nor does it look like we'll have rain for the next two weeks. Yeah. And um, so... I mean, I think the last time it rained was... Shoot, like the 25th of May or something like that. Yeah. Going on two weeks. And everything's pointing out the way it did last year. Mm-hmm. And I said that early on. I had a feeling that's going to be the case. So, preseason scouting. If you had a hard year like I did last year, start looking at new places. Yeah. Start looking at reservoirs, maybe looking at river options. Um, just do something outside the box because you're probably going to have a similar year that you did last year if you keep doing the same thing you're doing. And I think that goes from waterfowl to deer to whatever you want to hunt. This is the time of year where if you've got a spot and like you've been looking at on maps for a year or two, but you've never gone to it, never seen it, this is your time to check it out. If you're looking at it from a waterfowl aspect, uh, just imagine it with water. I know that's kind of hard if you've never seen it. Um, The other thing that I like to do this time of year that, we talked about a little bit in our last podcast and how Nebraska manages things is what kind of growth did some of these places see in the spring, uh, this spring? Um, I had a couple spots from two years ago that this last season choked out by reeds, not even worth the time, um, didn't even hunt at all. Sad, but it made me go find different spots that I hunted and had great success at. Um, so that... That, that's the big thing that comes to my mind, especially with waterfowl, is going and checking your spots and your new spots to see what is looking like it's going to be open. We're kind of to the point where a lot of stuff is going to quit growing super fast, especially if it's dry. So you should know, be able to visualize, visualize where those uh, holes of water are going to be. And talk about growth, too. Um, this is something that I dealt with on my favorite marshes. Two years ago, because it was so wet, um, great growth, which means a good hide. When you're not only thinking about duck hunting, you're thinking about water, but the next thing you're going to be thinking of, how am I going to hunt them? So start looking at hides of, now, what can I do to hide in? And a couple of years ago, there was a lot of sunflowers. I don't know if they were just, they, they were just big, tall, natural sunflowers that got in there, which provided great cover, especially during teal and like early duck season but this season i made the giant mistake of i went out there scouted it found like 100 mallards on there awesome got super excited okay i'm gonna hunt it didn't honestly think of the hide Mm -hmm. i found some like there was some cover out in the middle of the marsh that i thought was gonna do what i thought was gonna do and then i got there in the morning (laughs) And there wasn't much there. It's pretty deceiving looking at a marsh from the road versus yeah. being right where you want to sit. I had that happen on opening day of Big Duck last year. Uh, in the dark, found a decent spot. Yeah, Could not hide the five guys that we had when we all got there. And we left the blind in the truck because I was like, I don't want to do it. 
should have done it. We would have yeah. had. I mean, we had a good day, but we would have had a better day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that that hunt, I wish I would have had a, a even a layout blind would have done it because it was they. There was two spots I wanted to be in, and the other spot they wanted to be in, I could have layout blinded, and I mm-hmm. could have had a heyday. They were just dumping in, but I uh, before shooting time happened, they were just circling and circling and circling, and they could they were already starting to pick me out. If they're circling you before legal light, you might as well change something. I it's, and then shooting time happened, and there was one hand dumped in. And I was like, really. Uh, Waiting for an, you know at least a flock with some drakes or something. Yeah. And there was one flock right above me that would they were really low because it was dark, and I just reached up and popped a couple drakes, and that hen took off, and that was the end of it. But, but yeah. Oh well, that is what it is. Uh, the next question I or the next thing probably think of is uh, depending on what kind of marshes or areas you're going to be in. Uh, like I said, uh, water. Water levels are huge, um, depending on having too much water or not enough water means the difference in vegetation or the right amount of vegetation. Uh, the other thing, too, is we talked about in the past is they do, a lot of times they start, the the Nebraska Game Parks will go in and they'll start planting stuff in there. So if they start planting some duckweed or other things to for them to eat or for whatever reason... They clear out some stuff that gives you an idea where stuff is at in the marsh. But uh, what are some things or duck food you look for? Oh, my favorite's millet, honestly. Uh, I like to look for that as much as possible. Um, I I don't actually really focus on food sources all that often. Yeah. Because a lot of our marshes, at least the last couple years, this year will probably be different because it will be completely dry but the gaming parks will plant some some food sources yeah but the last couple of years it's been so wet and the birds kept moving around so much that you got a lot of transfer yeah stuff especially from two years ago when it was crazy crazy wet yeah i mean that was like, that's why i was saying check areas that are that to make sure there's open holes because i mean that marsh that i had great success in two years ago was choked out so much by millet that there wasn't enough room for birds. Hmm. I mean, it was crazy. Um, but I've never hunted corn, so I can't say that I look for corn uh, in water, like flooded corn. Yeah. Um, I can't say that I look for stuff like that. Um, so mostly duckweed and millet is really what I'm looking for. Gotcha. Yeah, I, th- I think... It's hard because in a dry year, like I think we're going to have, once you get food sources and water like that that are pumped in, it <laughs> it uh, it becomes a struggle because ducks tend to use it as a roost. They'll roost there all night mm-hmm. long. They'll eat there and then go somewhere else. Yep. The hard part is when it's, a, the I should say, the good part is when there's wet years, they tend to roost somewhere else because they know they're not going to get messed with. And then they go back to that to go eat during the morning or in the afternoon, mm-hmm. and so it's almost a flip flop. And I think that creates a, I think that creates a big issue. And then I mean, there was even a marsh like this year, yeah, this year that that's what happened. Got all excited, you know, thought there was much teal and shooting time. Oh, there they all go. I don't know where they went, but 
away they disappear. And I had that happen a couple of times, especially near the end of the season. Yeah. It gets frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You scout a lot, you find a group of birds, and then they just do a 180 of what you think they would do. Yeah. Which is a rough deal. It's frustrating. And, you know, that, that creates all the issues in itself. But uh, I think it kind of finishes up for just public land scouting, preseason scouting. Uh, the second part of this is talking about private land scouting. This is your time to shine. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, with the water levels is one thing, but uh, dealing with private land is a whole other beast in itself. And what you can do... You have another tangent here. When you not only do you have the land and figure out it's there, you also have a man. You have to manage a relationship with a landowner, and that's that. That's super, mm-hmm. super. Uh, I wouldn't say hard. I just say that it takes a lot of work in a good relationship with a good farm owner. Yeah. Um, and what you do can make and make or break your season. Mm-hmm. Um, now relationship like any other there's going to be give and take um with landowners some want your help with stuff some don't but uh, that's a huge tangent uh we're talking about private land scouting this is your perfect time so if you've got onyx like i would encourage any private land hunter especially uh if you got you know x marks the spot you couldn't get a hold of the landowner you know on a uh, mid-january day couldn't get a hold of them, you didn't hunt that, and you hunted somewhere else, or, you know, anytime the season you saw, boom, there's geese there, pinned it, awesome. Let's go back and start talking to those landowners because now is the time you have actual time, and if you can start building a rapport, that relationship, or even possibly get permission, guess what? You're in there, yeah, <laughs> and you don't have to worry about that. So the more land that you could pick up and get permission on, the better. Um, talking about private land, big thing is start thinking about what the crop is on it hmm. now depending on how depending on what part of your season you're in uh this last year was warm so for some reason they really enjoyed the soybeans early on um or if you can find a pasture that's awesome too uh but kind of get a feel and an idea or even start making notes on your onyx about what's planted there uh is a huge help because there's certain fields that we hunted last year that didn't really do that well this year because they're just soybeans. And as soon as it snowed, they just weren't too interested in those fields. And for anyone who doesn't, I mean, I think this is pretty common knowledge, but generally in Nebraska, if it's corn last year, it's going to be beans this year generally. Yeah. And flip-flop that. If it's beans last year, it'll probably be corns this, corn this year. Every once in a while, you'll get somebody that'll throw in winter wheat or something like that in their rotation. But yeah, it's not really that common i would say um a lot of times when it's winter wheat they'll do it they'll harvest their soybeans and then plant winter wheat and then they get it harvested and they till it or yeah you know run it under and then they start out up with corn in the in the fall again but that's a big thing uh trying to figure out uh where things are at and what they're planted in um talking about speaking to landowners so this is your time to shine Trying to talk to landowners, we'll probably do a podcast about vend- or landowner relations. Uh, Jared in our group is the master. <laughs> <laughs> he's, I mean, he's been a guide in his past life, so he just understands how to how to t- 
talk to landowners in a way that I don't understand because, man, he he is one of the nicest guys I know, so I understand why landowners love him. It just it makes sense. He's just super talkative too. So uh, talking to landowners, the big thing is when you're walking into that relationship, um, you know, un- giving them who you are, what you're there for, and then the big thing, especially now in the summertime, is helping provide value to them saying, hey, can I help you fix fence or can I help you plant or is there something around the farm I can help you with? Because, you know, during the summertime, this is their busy season trying to get stuff done because mm-hmm. it's not freezing cold. They're not stuffed in the house. They're out busy trying to fix stuff or, you know, especially uh, this is a good one for anybody out there my a co-worker of mine always talks about hunting deer he's hunted deer for on this same patch of ground for i want to say 20 25 years how has he been able to manage that relationship and hunt deer and he shot honestly some like massive deer off this property it's uh how do you do it became friends with landowner and every summer he usually goes and fixes fence every year and he usually goes out and takes a day or two off, goes out and fixes fence. Is it fun? No. Is it fun to see that guy? Absolutely. Does that guy end up usually giving him steak too? <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, it's, it's more of a friendship. And if you just see a, a landowner or somebody that you can just get something from and not give back to, you're really hurting yourself because there's a lot of landowners that I just really enjoy being around. And... You know, I obviously try to find things to either go give them stuff or give them a case of beer or, you know, at the end of the year, I give them a a gift card to take out their family and enjoy. Because, I mean, you're harvesting a natural resource that they can, if they really want to, they can monetize it. Mm -hmm. And that's when when guides or, you know, leases start to pop up. Yeah. And then you lose that land in general. So, but... uh, Preseason scouting. If you're in a preseason scout, how would what, what would you plan? Like, what would your mindset be on um, going to preseason scout somewhere? Or, or like, walk me through your process for like, uh, if you were going to go out and say, I'm going to go to a bunch of public marshes and check them out. What would you do? For public or private? Either one. Uh, like I like we've been saying, I start with maps. Gotcha. If it's public, like. I don't know how many times I've gone through the entire list of marshes in Nebraska and looked over them, river spots, almost any public spot that has water, if we're talking waterfowl here. I look it over. I pin private stuff constantly to look back back at um, in the spring and summer to hopefully try and get permission on. Um, I, don't, I don't rely on private as much as, like, you guys do because – I like to goose hunt, but it's not something my group has gotten crazy into yet. So yeah. we don't we don't try to get fields. Um, I will gladly get into it, uh, Hunter, if you want to uh, <laughs> get us on some goose hunts. <laughs> um, I'm really good at setting decoys. <laughs> yeah, buddy. That's when you go with a dive bomb. Yeah. So each year we've gotten a little bit farther into the whole dive bomb craze because it's just... It's crazy how well they work, actually. I look at them and I go, no way. But it, it tricks geese, honestly. It really does. I was so far against it a couple, was it two, three years ago, I just swore that I wouldn't use them. And then we used them, or it was set up in a, 
a permanent spread. Some is an older gentleman. He invited us out to hunt. And I was like, these things just, they look horrible. But the geese kept like landing on them. Mm-hmm. And then I went with another buddy that used, it was like five dozen black and whites. And they, this guy's got five dozen Dave Smith full bodies. <laughs> okay. So f- I think a dozen costs like 600 bucks yeah. or something. So you're five, there's three grand sitting in front of you and they're not landing on the Dave Smith full body decoys. They're landing on the black and white dive bombs behind us. Hmm. And I'm like, there's just no rhyme or reason why that should, that happens. You know, like these dive bombs, like he meticulously takes care of them and they look just like geese. Why are they, it blows my mind. And then he had a lot of like tangle freeze and mix and mash. There's a lot of decoys out there that day, but so we started using like five or ten dozen, and then the ease of use of like putting them in just mm-hmm. gets so much easier. I sorry, I got to stole it off topic, <laughs> but it's all good. <laughs> but but uh, but yeah, I'd be happy to have you out. That'd be fun. Yeah, but I I enjoy field hunting. But sorry, back to your your planning at preseason. Uh, when it comes to talking to landowners, um, the few, I mostly do, I mostly try to get private land for, uh, deer hunting in particular because big deer, big deer hunter. Um, I will probably be looking at a lot of the little ponds around here this year because I think the marshes, unless we just start getting a lot of rain in August and September, which hardly ever happens, I don't, I don't know that the state's going to pump as much as the hunters would like so these tiny ponds and reservoirs are going to be where it's at i didn't say that so don't blame me when everybody hunts them um (laughs) but so i will probably be trying to get some permission on some tiny ponds but hunter's absolutely right uh how you take care of your landowners um, when getting permission is everything and even when you get one of those landowners because i have one probably my favorite deer hunting spot in the entire world uh, for late season deer hunting. I can literally go there and I'll see about 80 to 100 deer on any given night. Um, I ask him every single year, is there anything that we can do for you around the farm? Um, And it goes past just fixing fences. Uh, For instance, me and my dad run a painting company. Is there anything that needs to be painted? Um, I have a buddy who likes to hunt out there with us occasionally who does HVAC. Uh, we have some people that know electrical stuff. I mean, our group has the kind of people that you would want to fix some things, you yeah. know, if somebody has, you know, a problem. And this guy every year is like, no, we don't need any help with anything. I usually try and bring him jerky or something like that. He's in, It's kind of hard to get stuff for an older farmer. Yeah. Especially one that drives up in like a new F2 250 yeah. Super Duty. <laughs> You're like, well, oh. that and like <laughs> one year I brought him jerky and he's a super nice dude and he's funny. Uh, I, I We bring him this bag of jerky and he's like, well, I'll have to eat this pretty slow. Doctor says I had to watch my sodium and I felt like, ooh, <laughs> I probably should have brought something else. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah. Take care of your landowners, whether or not they want you to help around. I mean, yeah. if they do, uh, put in your time and you'll be rewarded. I mean, because 
Absolutely. And if you're a person that likes to do this, I'm really not um, because I like to spend my money on other things. There are farmers that are going to say, yeah, that, you know, for a couple hundred bucks, you can hunt it this year or leases is what they're looking for, which is absolutely fine. They have the right to do with their property that they want. Yeah. And that's another good point. If you're going and asking permission and somebody says no, don't have a bad attitude with it. Yeah. Because it may be summer and like that person may not want you to just have full blown permission on it. But like, let's say December comes, the geese have shown up, they're in this field and you want to be like, hey, one day permission. If you went in there the last time and you blew up because the guy was like, no, bad experience in the past, yada, yada. He's definitely not going to let you on if you come back again and are like, hey, there's 2,000 geese sitting here. Um, You know, can we have one day permission? Yep. And if you get one day permission, honestly, my best advice would be just to take the one day permission, walk away from the property. Forget that property for a couple years. I mean, hell yeah. They're they're worried about having somebody on there all the time. Especially, I've, I've ran into this a lot with Canada goose hunting is, There'll be somebody that wants one day permission and they start coming back and they give them mm-hmm. permission. And then those guys set up like every, like every yeah. weekend. And so then they're constantly out there and maybe, th- maybe they don't cause a lot of issues, but then, you know, they're still having somebody on there all the time and hearing somebody bang away or having, you know, they're just making noise well, and maybe they just want that property to be quiet. Yeah. And talk to your landowners. How often are they okay with you coming out? And I used to, I mean, I don't have a whole lot of, I I can manage my landowners that I work with right now because I don't have very many because it's mostly deer hunting. Um, But when I was, when I first started college, I had this write-up that I took around with me, you know, name, number, what kind of permission, how often am I okay to be there, should I call or text before I come, Uh, stuff like that. I mean, if you just communicate with them and like it talk about, you know, what the agreement was for the hunting purposes, whether that's money, work, uh, nothing. I mean, the other thing too is, uh, I've ran into this a lot is what can you hunt and like what your purpose is there? Because mm-hmm. I'm going to say in Nebraska, this is a big, 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 big no, no. If someone gives you waterfowl permission, do not sit out there and shoot pheasants unless you know that they're okay with it. And even further, if somebody gives you waterfowl permission, you almost undoubtedly do not have uh, deer permission. Yeah. Like, like deer are just, you can't do it. I mean, even the one landowner that I work with for deer hunting, uh, we can't go there in November because he's got family. Yeah. I mean, it's strictly late season kind of situation. Um, which is okay. I love running around with a muzzleloader. Not literally running, but... Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta but, get over that canyon. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. If you... I mean, talk to them. Because, like, I've gone back to that landowner that I deer hunt for because there's turkeys there. And when spring comes around, I call and, hey, can I hunt turkeys this spring? Oh, yeah. Go for it. I mean, there was one time that I call them to ask if we could hunt i wanted to hunt deer in the fall and he was like there must have been some geese there the day before or something because he was like what do you want to hunt the the birds and i was like no no i'm just looking to hunt the deer i don't know yeah (laughs) so 
some landowners are going to be okay with you running around doing whatever you want. Others yeah. hunt their property as well. Yep. Um, and my uncle's trying to get us on a piece of property right now uh, for turkeys next spring or this fall. Uh, and he already knows for sure that the guy deer hunts it. Like there's no reason for us to think about deer hunting it. Yeah. Um, which is totally fine. Yeah. I mean, me and my dad and Terrell were having this conversation this week, which is plays into why landowners might uh, talk about this, but um, landowners, like they still use their property. They're still going to want to hunt it. And me and my dad and Terrell had this scenario going where if we had our own land, I think every hunting group has done this yeah. where you talk about if you owned your own land, would you let people hunt it? And my dad brought up a really good point for some of the people that are hesitant and it's where leases can kind of come in beneficial in the state of Nebraska. If you lease a property, anything that happens to you or your group is on your hands. If yep. you do not lease it a property, it's technically like if you're a terrible person and you get hurt on that person's property with no lease agreement or anything like that, it's on the landowner, which yep. I think is ridiculous, but that's just how it, that's just how the rules are written. And there are people out there that have had bad experience with other hunters, don't want people to get hurt both for their safety and because they don't want to be liable for any injuries. Yeah. So. No, I, yeah, I'm with you there. I, I and Jared and Dane actually had the conversation because we're, we're right in the middle of this. We started talking to all of our landowners and making sure that we had, permission on all the stuff that we had last year and it's looking like everything's working out except we actually talked about this before the podcast and uh speaking about ponds i'll have to take you out to so my wife's grandpa actually owns a a pond that we shot i think we shot eight ducks that day including a spoonie yeah buddy (laughs) a couple green wing teal and i think we shot we shot a few redheads out there it was actually pretty cool so I'll have to take you out there at some point. But uh, there's another pond that it was a huge roost for geese, which I'm not going to hunt it. I don't I don't want to hunt roost. That's not what I'm about. Uh, but earlier in the season, there was quite a few ducks on it uh, before the geese showed up, which I would hunt them on there. I mean, I wouldn't. It'd be one of those things I'd hunt like once a week max mm-hmm. just so they would stay there. It's a big enough pond they'd probably end up they'd come in but a lot of them would just land on the other side of the pond and they wouldn't even know what's going on really but it'd be it'd be one of those spots to be like yeah buddy because mm-hmm. like last year there was i i would say probably i don't know one to two thousand canadas probably four or five hundred specs probably like three or four thousand ducks on it Jeez. yeah buddy <laughs> no like as soon as like sundown started going like it i don't even know how to describe it it was like a like bees out of a nest mm. like there would come the ducks probably i don't know 45 minutes before sundown they just go and then you'd see the geese like you could hear them get all amped up and they go to one side i figured that was early like we hunted this field and i i swear to goodness i heard them get up they weren't getting up because i i hadn't like watch them do this whole thing mm-hmm. but basically this pond is in a v so they'd be at, at uh one side of the v and then they go clear to the end 
The reason why they have to do that is because they have to get going when they're flying to get out of the pond because it sits so far down. And I was, like, sitting there, and I heard them, like, sound like they got up. And from where the field was, you couldn't really see the pond to where if they maybe went out the backside. Mm-hmm. And I'm just sitting there, like, just super disappointed. You know, like, uh, did all this work? Nothing's happening. They're all leaving. Oh, goodness. Nope. About 10 minutes later, I'm just sitting there outside of the blind, just kind of mucking around. Here comes, like, I don't even know how many geese. It was <laughs> crazy. And, I mean, it was, like, mid to late December, and it was still warm at that point, like 40 degrees. Yeah. And so they all came at, like, the last couple of minutes of shooting time. I think we shot, like, six or eight before shooting time's up, but it was a good time. No speckle bellies, though, unfortunately. Uh, but... But I'm going to Arkansas this year. Oh, I haven't talked about it on the podcast. I'm super excited about it. And I was probably going to talk to Jared and we we're going to do a podcast about it. But, oh, well, I'm talking about it now. So we're <laughs> going to northeast Arkansas. Couldn't tell you the town. Don't ask me. Actually, I probably could. I would look it up. But I don't know right now. Northeast Arkansas. Going for three days. Mornings, early mallard hunt in the green timber. Then afternoon speckle belly hunts. It, nice. it is going to be a good time. <laughs> you going an outfitter, I assume? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. No, I don't. I I just have, I've always wanted to hunt timber, and I, I just really want my I, – I would love to public land hunt in Arkansas. I think yeah. it would be incredible. But I've never hunted, like, green timber or timber in general, so I really want my first experience to be fun. And so I'm, I'm going with an outfitter. <laughs> Yeah. So I I'm looking forward to it to say the least. Uh, I'm looking forward to see the pictures and how you guys do. Yeah. Cuz uh that's one on my list someday. Oh yeah. Especially the speckled belly aspect of it. See, I we every year this is what happens. There's some early speckled bellies around here. And we just can't seem to get into them at the right time, the right place. Mm-hmm. Like this year, there one because there's like a cutoff. There, there's a time period when they're they're not in season for a mm-hmm. while, and then yeah. later on they are. Like during that peak of the season, it seems like that's when we get them, like to do it mm-hmm. for whatever reason. And this year we had, like in that area on that roost, I I would say there's probably 150 specks and like dumping in the decoys. I'm talking oh. landing landing in the decoys oh that would kill me and you're just sitting there like oh this is cool that's nice thanks i really appreciate this have a nice day and then yeah so and then later on we just never i don't know no normally the group will shoot two or three probably a year maybe four on a good year i've shot one i'm the only one in the group that shot one too so i I the, the outfitter has guaranteed me a spec. Yeah. So he doesn't know. Maybe I'm a blind blind man that can't shoot. You never know, but I've been guaranteed. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, I, I'm, I, I don't know which one to be more excited about. I honestly don't. Like, I'm really excited about. Getting best of the bo- best of both worlds right there, like, in my opinion. If I shoot one green mallard, mallard in the timber, like, I'm happy as a clam. Yeah. If I shoot one spec, I'm happy. I really am. So 
That is something that I want to see before my hunting career ends is mallards jumping, uh, dropping through the trees. I really want to see that. Yep. Absolutely. We found, going back to the scouting stuff, we found a spot, this, a public spot that I had never, it's actually kind of odd. It's not really on Onyx. Gotcha. It is, but it's marked really weird. So you can't, can't tell what it is. We were there opening weekend, opening week of archery for turkey this year, driving around looking for turkeys. Yep. And this place was loaded with ducks. Actually, there you go. Going back to the scouting thing. End of March, April. You want to know, like, ducks fly through the same areas that they, you know, fly south when they come back north. Yeah. Um, if you want to, I mean, they're going to be there in big numbers because they're all going pretty much at once. I mean, as soon as, as soon as the ducks start going back north, they're going north. But if you're out and about in March and April, we're talking Nebraska here. Um, trying to snow goose hunt. <laughs> yeah. It, it, well, if you're driving around while you're snow goose hunting and you see a bunch of ducks on one spot, yep. mark it. We found, which. If we see a bunch of them, maybe I'll take you there because I definitely won't be giving a whole lot of clues to this spot. But I found probably the only spot in Nebraska that I would say is 100% a wood duck spot. Hmm. And I have never found one of those spots. We saw probably 200 wood ducks on that whole property that day. And there was probably a couple thousand mallards, gadwalls, uh, teal, Hmm. everything. I'd it was crazy, and I we just stumbled across this hmm. spot, and uh, so yeah. When you're talking preseason scouting, early spring, if you're out and about when the birds are migrating back north, don't be afraid to mark those spots. <laughs> there was a, I actually have a similar experience. There was one time I, I honest to goodness, I was just I was going to I was going to meet with a customer to ha- a new house. Mm-hmm. And I got lost. I'd really just made a wrong turn. But I would basically pulled up and I went to back out and like go back the highway. And I just ended up in just the right spot at the right time to see like flicker of wings out of the corner of my eye. Mm-hmm. Look over and out in this, this, I would say this downside this field, there was a cornfield and then it was basically just a private marsh. Mm-hmm. Now... This year, let's be honest, it's probably going to be drained and it's probably going to be dry by if it is going to be a dry fall. Mm-hmm. Now, if it's on a wet fall, ooh. ooh. And then, uh, yeah. ooh. Don't be afraid to think about spots in a wet year. Yep. Like, make a note, be like, ooh, if it's wet like it was two years ago, yep. think about this spot. Because I have, ah, man, I have like eight spots that I think about yep. when a wet year comes around again. <laughs> There's there's a couple of places that were flooded cornfields. It yeah. So one of the private spots we have like it's a pond, but on wet years it floods way out into the field mm-hmm. into the corn. Oh, yeah. This year's going to be corn. I really wish it would be a wet year, but <sighs> we'll see. Either way, it's a it's a good pond, but it's way better when there's corn. So, and that's the other thing, too, is uh, on the other side, and uh, it's a, I don't know, it's a ways away, but there's, like, 
little ponds there too, and they end up flying, flooding out in the cornfield. And so if it's really wet, that's that's got a lot of birds in it, and ours got a lot of birds, and it's just like a just a, it's a beehive. Yeah. So it's a good time. But, well, I think that kind of covers you. Got anything else? Last thoughts. Oh, well, I guess not to be cliche, but you're not going to find the spots on the couch. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Get out and put that window time in. Uh, don't be afraid to put boots on the ground or waders in the water if there is water. I know it sucks when it's dry, but I just try and picture, like, especially if it's a spot I've seen in the past and know what the water looks like when it's been pumped or not. Another thing that I was going to say, which Nebraska wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to really tell you who to talk to because they don't do it well. But I know Kansas does a fantastic job of this. If um, you're in Kansas, call your uh, local management people. They're going to tell you what's going to get planted in some of these areas. Um, And they're not going to tell you all the secret spots, but they're going to give you a little bit of knowledge towards what's going on. Like, let's say you like to hunt spots across the state, but you you, you don't have time to go out there. You can get an idea as to what spots when you get out there to actually scout and hunt to look to first. Yeah. Um, I mean, those people are there for your benefit. Yeah, I got two last thoughts. I'm going to start with the bad and go with the good. <laughs> the bad. Please eh, please don't be the guy during the middle of the season that messages people or puts it on a Facebook forum saying, hey, what does this marsh look like? Don't be that guy. Like, the reason why, like, I understand everybody's got time issues, but don't be that guy. Take the time now to run out there and see what things look like or do your scouting ahead of time. Let's just say that to start with. And on the encouraging side, the guys that I know that are the most successful, isn't they're not successful because the, the first year, you know, they knew everything, especially when they started going out on their own. You know, when I got into eastern Nebraska, each year I get better and better at being a hunter because – the more areas I experience, the more I know about the state, I know about the hunting makes, makes me more successful because of the mm-hmm. experience. So I understand the experience is a, a time thing long-term, but the more work the, means the more experience, which means more success. So just my humble thought to encourage you with. Absolutely. But, uh, well, I appreciate it guys. I hope you guys benefit for this podcast. Make sure to rate and review our podcast and check it out on uh, check out the YouTube on uh, our you our podcast on our YouTube Acred Hunters and Jeremy, you want to shout your stuff out before we go? Yeah, sure. Just uh, Huntfish three sixty five Instagram YouTube. Um, me and Trail are tossing around the idea of we have a TikTok, but we don't use it a whole lot. But we're yeah. thinking about using it a, a little more here coming up in the future. So yeah, buddy. Yeah. Yeah, I look forward to doing I the big thing I'm because I guess gonna get on bunny. We're gonna get on bunny trail, <laughs> but I'm gonna say it anyway. Um I this year is really the year that I just feel like I'm just looking forward to doing a lot of more a lot more photos and videos mm-hmm. just because I've kinda hit my I've 
Killed enough of my day now. I'm kind of getting the old timer. Killed enough of my day. You know, I just really enjoy videoing those experiences, especially like, you know, YouTube last year, I got Nala's first hunt. Mm-hmm. And that was incredible. And I could still look back on this year and whenever. So I look forward to doing that more. So I'm, I'm excited. W- with you. I'm excited for it too. This year, we're looking, we're going to have a lot more big game stuff this year. Yeah. There'll still be waterfowl, but I've, Took a break from it this spring, but um, man, I'm ready to get back into it. I really do enjoy yeah. the video side of what we do. Heck yeah! So, all right, guys, make sure to keep a keen eye on that, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you next time. Appreciate it. Have a good day.